Hey everybody, happy Wednesday. Hope you're having a great day and a great week. Thanks for jumping online with me tonight for the midweek moment. I just want to encourage you that uh, people are coming back to church. It seems like the world's getting back to normal. So we want to encourage you to join us here on Sunday mornings, 9.15 or 11.15. And yes, you can still watch online if you choose to do so. This Sunday we have our growth track. And the growth track is designed to help people find out a little bit more about new life. Find out about our mission statement, our vision statement, where you can get plugged in, connected. We help you find your spiritual giftings. So this Sunday, if you're interested, Growth Track is available. You can get online or check our app for the times. Now tonight we're going to start the fourth chapter of the book of Philippians. We've already completed the first three chapters. Tonight we're going to look at a couple of verses in chapter four. Remember, Paul is writing from a Roman prison. He's been incarcerated for preaching the gospel. And uh, not only is he in a bad set of circumstances that potentially threaten his life, but he's being questioned uh, from the outside. People are questioning his integrity, questioning his theology, questioning the message that he's been preaching about the cross of Christ. And yet throughout this book, this letter that he wrote to this church, he continues to talk about joy, his ability to rejoice in spite of what's going on. In fact, Paul, in this letter, writing from this prison, continues to instruct this church and to encourage this church. So let's take a look at a couple of thoughts from chapter 4. First of all, he encouraged them to stand firm. Chapter 4, verse number 1. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. So he begins chapter 4 by encouraging them to stand firm. It's important that we stand firm in our faith. We go back to Matthew's gospel. Jesus taught a parable on building our life and our house upon a foundation. Remember that parable in Matthew chapter 7? He talked about people that build on sand. And when you build on sand, which is a shaky foundation, when the wind blows and the water rises in your life, trials and tribulations, Whatever you build will collapse. And then Jesus said, the best way to build is build on a solid rock. And he likened that rock to the Word of God. Build on the Word of God. When we build on the Word of God, we can stand firm in the adversity and the challenges that we experience in life. So my question tonight is, what are you building on? What are you standing on? Are you building your life, your family, on a solid foundation of God's Word? Or maybe you're building on your own wisdom. Maybe you're building on your own talent and ability. Maybe you're building on the economy. Maybe you're building on politics. We should build on nothing other than the Word of God. And Paul, Paul was big on this in his writings about building on a solid foundation and about the importance of standing firm in our faith. In fact, in Corinthians, he said, stand firm and let nothing move you. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he said, stand firm in the faith. In Ephesians 6, 11, stand firm against the schemes or the strategies of the devil. In Philippians chapter 1, stand firm in one spirit. And then when he wrote to the Colossian church in chapter 4, he said, stand firm in the will of God. So Paul, writing from this prison, encourages these believers and even us today 
to stand firm in our faith. Build on something that is immovable. We know in life we're going to have challenges. We know we're going to go through storms. We know we're going to experience adversity in our life. But we can live an unshakable life if we build on an immovable God. Let me say that again. That's good. You need to write it down. We can live an unshakable life if we build on an immovable God. God is immovable, and he is our foundation that helps us stand firm. And then Paul encouraged them to settle any differences. Settle any differences. Chapter 4, verse number 2. Now I appeal to Euodia and Sintichi. Please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women. For they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Notice here that Paul is addressing two ladies in the church that had differences, and he tells them to settle the differences. In the King James, the word he uses is beseech. It is a strong word for get it fixed, fix the problem. So it seems that there were two female leaders in the Philippian church that couldn't get along with each other. And they were prominent leaders. They were leaders that other people knew. They were leaders that actually worked with Paul in sharing the good news. One of them was Euodia. That name means sweet fragrance. And the other name is Sintichi, which means pleasant acquaintance or happy chance. So we have sweet and we have pleasant or happy. But apparently, sweet and pleasant and happy weren't very sweet to one another and weren't very pleasant to one another. So there is a disagreement that is existing between these two prominent ladies in the church. Now, we don't know what the problem was. We don't know what the difference of opinion was. I personally don't believe it had anything to do with doctrine or theology. And the reason I don't believe that is because Paul was very very strong on that position. If, if it had been a theological issue or a doctrinal issue, Paul would have pointed out one of you are right and the other one was wrong. But he doesn't do that here. He just tells them, whatever your difference is, you need to settle the difference. Settle the difference. Fix it. Make it a priority. Get it right. Get along with each other. Now, I can't help but apply this to Christians today. You know, 2020 revealed a lot of things about us through the pandemic and, and through uh, the elections and the political differences and all the stuff that's going on in the news media and going on in our world. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of animosity. We saw a lot of differences of opinion. And I'm sad to say that for many Christians, we started bickering among ourselves regarding some of these issues and, uh, you know, we're going to have social differences. We're going uh, to have political differences. Uh, we're going to have, you know, different opinions about food and all these other kind of things in life. But we can't allow that to separate us. We can't allow that to create friction in our relationships. Again, you have two prominent women in the church, leaders in the church, that were bickering about something. And Paul said, get it settled. Fix it right now. Now, make it a priority, 
okay? Now, John J Judson Edwards wrote a book, and it's entitled, They Never Told Us About How to Get Along with One Another. And he lists in his book six rules for healthy relationships. And I want to share them with you tonight. The first rule, he says, is agree more and argue less. Agree more and argue less. Listen, again, we all have differences of opinions, but why don't we learn to focus on the things that we agree on, okay? Why do we allow the differences of opinion to cause us to argue and bicker and divide us? Agree more and argue less. Listen more and talk less. We would learn a lot more if we listened more and talked less. Produce more and advertise less. We need to be more productive for the gospel. And I think we need to stop advertising ourselves as much as we do. We are so into self-promoting today. When I look at social media today, it's all about self-promotion. Look at me. Look what I did. Look at, look at, look at. We need to do that less. Produce more. Number four, confess more and accuse less. Confess more and accuse less. Number five, laugh more and fret less. Learn to laugh more. A merry heart does good like medicine and fret and worry less. And then number six, give more and receive less. We would have much healthier relationships if we were willing to give more and receive less. And you know why? Because the Bible tells us when we give more, we receive more. We receive more. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. So in relationships, even if I have a difference of opinion with somebody, if I'm committed to giving more to the relationship, more time, more respect, more love, more appreciation, then I will just naturally receive more. Okay? All right. Simple suggestions. We'll wrap it up with this. Simple suggestions to settling differences. Separate scriptural convictions from opinions. Separate scriptural convictions from opinions. We all have opinions, okay? Anybody can have an opinion. We need to agree on what the scripture says and our opinions on politics and some of this other stuff that divides us. This needs to be secondary. Number two, pray for the success of the other person. If you're having a difference of opinion with somebody, the Bible encourages us to pray for them. In fact, the scripture says, pray for your enemies. Love your enemies, pray for your enemies. So if I'm supposed to pray for an enemy, how much more should I pray for a brother and sister in Christ that I have a difference of opinion with? Don't let that difference divide us. Number three, be willing to ask for forgiveness. All of us need to ask for forgiveness. When we're sideways with another person, when we're bickering with another person, both of us need to come to the table and say, Lord, forgive me and help me. Number four, ask God to remove any bitterness from our heart. Sometimes when we get in a difference of an opinion, sometimes when we're bickering, and I think that's what Paul was saying to these two ladies, hey, don't let it become an issue of bitterness in your heart because bitterness affects our relationship with the Lord. So we need to ask God to remove any bitterness in our heart that we have toward people that we have a disagreement with or an argument with or a different opinion with. And then lastly, ask a friend to hold you accountable in this area. In other words, if I have a difference of opinion with somebody and I'm 
I'm, 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 my, my relationship with that person is, is divided and, and we're bickering back and forth. I, I need to ask God to forgive me. I need to ask God to search my heart to remove bitterness. And then I need to go to another person and say, hey, hold me accountable in this area. If I say something about that person, stop me. Ask me from time to time, are you praying for that person? Are you working on resolving the conflict with that person? That's exactly what Paul is telling this church. Stand firm in the faith. Stand firm in the word of God. Stand firm in what you believe. And when you have differences of opinion to the point that they're dividing you and affecting the church, settle it. Bring it to the forefront and deal with it in the name of the Lord. And when we do that, our life will be much healthier and we'll have much more joy in our life. Nothing robs us of joy worse or more than when we are at odds with another person. So let's just settle the conflict, settle the differences. Let's learn to get along and let's continue promoting the good news of Jesus Christ. I love you and appreciate you and I hope I see you this Sunday. Take care.